Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, happy Father's Day. I want to welcome you to Blue Ridge Church, whether you're streaming with us today, whether you're here. I hope you have an incredible Father's Day. All of our fathers, the fathers-to-be, uh, it's just great to have you with us, to take time out of your day to be with us. And just as a special thank you to you guys for what you do, uh, every dad, every dad-to-be, every guy really in here today on your way out, make sure you see one of our greeters. They've got a card to give you, which is good for a, a $10 car wash down the road at the car wash so that you don't have to clean your car. You can just run it through and let somebody do that for you. But we truly hope you have a great, great Father's Day. Also, just want to take a minute before we get started, because today we're going to finish up the series we've been in, and thank you truly for your generosity uh, over the years, especially in this past year and the craziness and the uncertainty uh, of the world. A lot of times we don't say that, but we really appreciate everything you do in and through this church and in and through this community. And when you think about this series that we've been in called Cloud Nine, uh, that's really what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was thanking the Philippian church for their generosity, for everything that they did through him, through his ministry, through reaching people for Christ. And so today, that's what I want to look at. I want to look at generosity and what does that mean. And, and Paul kind of finishes up this book talking about generosity. And on Father's Day, if you think about your father, maybe you had an incredibly generous father that really poured into you and really helped you a lot. Uh, even if you didn't, you know, our Heavenly Father, He's incredibly generous. But I want to look at how Paul finishes up this letter to the Philippian church. And really what he shares with us at the end of chapter 4 is one of, I think, one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. And it's Philippians 4.19. It says, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. What he's saying is God promises that he's going to meet all of our needs and that his generosity is going to exceed our generosity. And he starts that off in the message translation and he says, you can be sure. That means we don't have to wonder. We don't have to hope. We don't have to, you know, think that this might happen. He says it will happen. God guarantees it. And I think sometimes we forget that. We go through life, we see what's going on in the world, we see the trouble in our own families, and we think God's not going to meet all of our needs. But this passage of Scripture says God guarantees it. He guarantees he'll meet our needs and that his generosity will exceed our generosity. Well, Scott, does that mean that God's going to meet my physical needs? Yes. Is he going to meet my emotional needs? Yes. Is he going to meet my relational needs? Yes. He absolutely guarantees it. So here's the question I know a lot of you at home are thinking, or a lot of you here, you're saying, well, why is it then that I've got unmet needs? If God promises he's going to meet all of my needs, why is it that I have unmet needs? And I kind of set you up. By reading Philippians 4, 19 before I read Philippians 4, 14 through 18. But when you look at the scripture and you look at 
promises in the Bible, a lot of times we have a part to play and God has a part to play, right? There's something we have to do and there's something that God does. There's kind of a premise, if you will, to the promise in Scripture. And so what we have to do before we can claim what really is one of the greatest promises in Scripture, we have to do something ourselves. And I want to read that to you now, Philippians 4, 14 through 18. And if you want to follow along with the notes or with the verses they told you about that in, in the welcome video, but there's also a QR code if you don't have the Church Center app that's on the back of some of those chairs. And all you have to do is open your camera app and act like you're going to take a picture of that QR code, and it'll pop a link up on your phone, and that'll drive you to our notes. But here's what Paul says in verse 14. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Remember, he's talking to the church in Philippi, and he's thanking them for their generosity. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. So we really can't claim that very next verse, the promise in Philippians 4.19, that God's going to meet our needs and his generosity is going to exceed ours until we ourselves live in the example Paul's using is like the Philippian church and we're generous. Does that make sense? And so let's rewind and think for a minute why Paul's writing this letter. Over and over, it's to thank them, to thank the church in Philippi. Paul's old at this point in his life. He's in prison. He thinks he's going to be executed, so he's awaiting execution. He's already started tons and tons of churches all over the Roman Empire. And what Paul's doing is he's bragging, if you will, on the church in Philippi. He's, he's pointing out what they've done for him and for the ministry. He says, you guys have helped me time and time again. Your generosity is amazing. And he probably calls out in the scripture, the church in Philippi more than any of the other ones. Even to the letter he wrote to the Corinthian church, he mentions this church. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church now. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Now, when you look up the churches in Macedonia, it was the church in Philippi, the church in Thessalonica, and the church in Berea. And he said, they are being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. In other words, what we've been talking about in this series, these different things that we can do and the byproduct is joy and happiness. Paul is saying generosity leads to joy and happiness in our lives. And that's what the Philippian church is experiencing. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. 
So what was the Philippian church doing? They were putting others and others' needs before themselves. And so Paul's calling out their generosity. They were givers at heart. This church was. So think about that for a minute. In life, there's two different types of people, right? You either have givers or you have takers. And Paul's saying if you're a giver, if we're generous, then we're going to experience joy and happiness. Takers, on the other hand, are not all that happy. You know, the word miser comes from the word miserable, right? A miser is someone who hoards everything that they have. They don't spend very much money. They spend as little as possible, and they're not happy. They don't have deep joy. So here's our first learning, learning number one. The more we take, the less joy we have. But the more we give, the happier we'll be. And that's every area of our life. Now, last week, Matt looked at stress, and then he looked at contentment and how Paul learned to be content. Uh, Philippians 4.11, we can learn generosity just like we can learn contentment. And the crazy thing about contentment, it brings joy and happiness, but it leads to generosity, which brings joy and happiness. And I think that's what Paul was trying to tell us. So I thought, okay, on Father's Day, here's what I want to do. Because some of you had really generous fathers, and we have an incredibly generous Heavenly Father. Let's look at some benefits of generosity. What are the benefits of generosity that God's called us to be generous all throughout the Scripture? And I think the first thing we have to kind of land on is God has created this principle, if you will, of the universe that whatever it is that we sow, we're going to reap. If you've ever done any gardening or farming, you understand this principle. My brother-in-law is a farmer. I've got friends that are farmers. And whatever it is they plant, that's what they expect they're going to harvest. Right? My brother-in-law plants soybeans. He's not expecting to get peanuts. He's expecting to get soybeans. And so whatever it is that we plant in life or whatever it is that we sow in life, that's what we're going to harvest. That's what we're going to reap. And it doesn't just work for a garden or a farm or something we plant into the ground. It's every aspect of our life. Proverbs chapter eleven seventeen says this, your kindness will reward you. So if we plant kindness, if we sow kindness, we're going to reap kindness. If we sow love, we're going to reap love. If we sow generosity, we're going to reap generosity. However, if we sow, um, you know, bitterness, what are we going to reap? We're going to reap bitterness. So really, when you look at this universal principle, what you sow is what you're going to reap. Whatever it is that we need the most in life, that's what we need to sow. And that makes no sense whatsoever from a worldly perspective, right? It makes no sense if you just look at it from a, a worldly point of view. But whatever we need in life, that's what we need to sow. And listen, I know churches have abused this in the past. You don't, you don't have to hold on to your wallet because generosity goes way further than money. This isn't a name it, claim it, you know, prosperity gospel speech or anything like that. But it, for example, if we need more time, we need to sow some time unselfishly to other people or to help a good cause or to help somebody else. And to us, it doesn't make sense. Wait a minute, I, my schedule's already tight enough. I, I don't have any time. Sow some time and you will reap time. Again, what does God promise? 
I will meet all of your needs. And my generosity will exceed your generosity. Now, the hard part to get people to understand is there is a time period between when we sow and when we reap. Right? You don't plant you know, kernels of corn today and tomorrow you're eating sweet corn. Doesn't work that way. There's a time period, right? So there's a time period between when we sow and what we reap. But that's a principle we have to remember. And it's so hard to understand if you're only looking at it from an earthly perspective and you take the God factor out of the equation. But God says all throughout the scripture, whatever it is you plant, that's what you are going to harvest. So here's another benefit of generosity. Learning number two, if we're generous, others will be grateful. Now, that's not a prideful statement. Oh, I'm going to be generous so people will be grateful to me. But think about this. The people that you're the most grateful for in life are the people who have been the most generous to you. They're the ones that have poured into you and they've helped you and they've encouraged you and they've done things for you. We're most grateful for the people who have invested the most in us. Today is Father's Day. So think about your dad for a minute. And if you had a great relationship with your father or still have a great relationship with your father, then your father was generous to you with his time, his energy, his effort, his love, his compassion, his grace. And therefore, you are grateful for your father. We are grateful to God because of what he's done for us and how generous he is of us, uh, to us. Now, if you didn't have a good relationship with your dad, first of all, that breaks my heart because I have a great relationship with my dad. But if you didn't, then you're probably not as grateful for your earthly father because they weren't generous to you. But the people that are the most generous to us and invest the most in us are the people that we are the most grateful for. And that's what Paul is expressing to the Philippian church. All throughout what we've looked at the past eight weeks, Paul's expressing his gratitude to the Philippian church because they've been the most generous to him. He's called them out. He's bragged on them. Let me just review a couple of the verses we looked at even the first week. Philippians 1.3, Paul said, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Philippians 1.5, he said, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. He's grateful that they're helping to spread the good news about Jesus. Philippians 1.7, he said, so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You shared with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. So we are most grateful to those that are generous to us. So generosity breeds gratitude. Not that we have to have recognition, but people are going to be grateful for our investment into their life. So I think it's a great point in, in time or in the talk to ask ourselves, would anybody say that about me? Would anybody say that they're grateful for me because I've been generous in their life? Would my kids be grateful? Would my parents be grateful? Would the people I work with be grateful or, the, or my neighbors? Would they be grateful for me because of my generosity? Again, we don't do it 
to get accolades. We do it because God calls us to be generous. And that's one of the byproducts is gratitude. Here's something else about generosity. It shows what really matters the most to us, doesn't it? When we give, when we serve, when we give our time, when we give our treasure, it shows the most important thing in our lives. I guarantee if your friend, you know, gave you their phone and you opened up their calendar and they gave you access to their bank account, you would know what's most important to them, right? Because where we spend our time, where we spend our effort, where we spend our resources shows what's most valuable to us. Jesus said it like this. He said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And that is so true. I had some people in town a couple weeks ago, and, and several of them got on a conversation about cryptocurrency, right? They were talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum, and they were talking about how it was performing and you know, it, this day it was up, this day it was down, and, and some of the dynamics about it. And I kind of tuned out of the conversation because I really don't care about cryptocurrency. Not because I don't think it's a cool concept. It's way over my head, I can tell you that. But I don't have any money invested in cryptocurrency. They did. So they were passionate about how it was going to perform. Now, I guarantee you, if we all had money in cryptocurrency, in, let's say in Bitcoin, we would care about how it performs. Because where our treasure is, there our heart is also going to be. So wherever I give, wherever I'm generous, in every single aspect of my life, it really paints a picture and shows what's most important to me. So here's something else about generosity. Another benefit, if we're generous, we will become more like Christ. When you and I are generous... We become more like Jesus. Think about it. Jesus is a giver. Jesus is generous. Our Heavenly Father is incredibly generous. If God didn't give us anything, we'd have nothing. We wouldn't even be here. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Why does God do that? Because He's generous. The, probably the, one of the best-known Scripture verses is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us his son, his one and only son. He is the picture of generosity, and he wants us to become like him. He wants us to be generous. Think about it, dads, on Father's Day. Do you love your kids? Most of the time you do, right? Some of you put a little asterisk and say yes with an asterisk, right? But when you love your kids... You give to them. You're generous with them. You're generous with your encouragement. You're generous with your grace. You're generous with your love and your resources and your time and everything that you have. When you think about their mother, your kid's mother, you're generous to them because you love them. You may not even be married to that person anymore, but there's a special place in your heart for them because they helped bring your children into this world. And when we love people, we're generous with them. We give to them. And so every time we're generous, whether it's to our kids or, or, or whatever, a change takes place in us. We become a little more like Christ. We become a little more like God because our heart moves closer to God because at the heart of God is generosity. 
He gave us everything, and he wants us to be generous as well. So there's this connection between love and generosity. When we love people, we're generous with them. Listen to Philippians 1.11. This is, we looked at this the first week, but this is from the message. So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. When we deeply love someone, we're going to be generous with them. And again, what we're talking about today, generosity, it's the total opposite of what culture says. Culture says take. Culture says get all you can. But when we're generous, it takes the focus off of us. We're looking out for the needs of others and not just ourselves. So not only does our generosity make us like Christ, because that is in the character of Christ, but when we're generous, what else does it do? It makes our faith grow. When we're generous... It makes our faith grow. Think about this for a minute. Uh, If I've got something that I need and I give it to someone else instead, I'm going to have to rely on God to provide for me. I've got to claim that promise in Philippians 4.19 that God's going to meet all of my needs. And again, this goes against what culture would say. But I have to trust that God's going to provide because I did this or I gave my time over here. So, God, you got to make this up. You got to help me to get all this stuff done. I've got to rely more on the Lord. And so, my faith is going to be strengthened through that. Remember Philippians 4 6 from last week. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Hey, God, I'm going to do this and this is what I need for you to do for me. And I was trying to think, okay, what's a good example of this? And I think about uh, years ago when we had the Continuing the Journey campaign to get in this building, to build out this building because the church was growing and we wanted to create room for people who wanted to learn more about Christ or grow in their relationship with Christ. So during a, a campaign like that, what happens is people give generously, right? Above and beyond maybe what they normally give every week to meet the regular obligations of the body of Christ. And so people stretch themselves for like two years and some people three years and they gave over and above so we could be here. And you know what God did? He still met our needs. And what happened as a result as a church and as individuals, our faith grew because we had to count on God to provide. Hey, God, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going out here on a limb and because I believe this is where you're at and what you're doing in our community. And, and I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do this. And I got to rely on you to provide for me. And God did. Our faith is strengthened when we have to rely on God more in our lives. And then something else, final thing about being generous. Learning number four, if we're generous, we're investing in eternity. Really, that's what our generosity is. And it's not always financial. A lot of times it's encouragement. A lot of times it's time. It's our abilities, our talents. We have gifts and abilities other people don't have. And when we share those and are generous with others with those, then we're investing for the long haul. There's two things that are going to last. People are going to last forever. Right? And God's word, God's kingdom is going to last forever. People are going to live either with God or without God for eternity. 
And so when we invest in people, when we invest in the things of God, we're investing in eternity. Jesus called this storing up treasure in heaven. And when you look at this passage in Matthew, it's like sometimes you scratch your head. What is Jesus talking about? But he talks about storing up treasure for, in heaven, and I want to read it to you. It's Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Jesus says, Don't store up treasure here on earth, where moths eat them, and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moss and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, here's that verse, there the desires of your heart will also be. What's Jesus saying? Life is not about just storing up things here on earth. Does that mean we can't have nice things? No. We just need to know these things aren't going to last. These things aren't going to go with us when we go to heaven. And so life is also about storing up treasure in heaven. In, it's about investing in heaven. In other words, investing in the things that are at the heart of God. Because everything we store up here, it's going to be left behind. And I've told you this before, your kids are going to sell it for 10 cents on the dollar at a yard sale when you're gone. I can assure you of that. But everything we store up in eternity, when we invest in people and their salvation and their faith, those things last forever. And we get to enjoy those things forever. And then Paul said something interesting at the end of this letter to the Philippian church. He said, you're going to be rewarded for this. Now we all know, or or hopefully, if not, you're going to know now, but salvation comes from faith alone right? We can't work for our salvation. It's not about how well we perform. It's free. All we have to do is ask to invite Christ into our life. Can't pay for it, can't earn it, can't work for it. But once we become a follower of Christ, the Lord wants us to do good things, to live our lives a certain way, to help other people to not only find him, but also to follow him. And he says, I'm going to reward you for that. And heaven's not going to be a place where it's going to be like, oh man, they got a lot more rewards than I did. I don't think we're going to know because there's not jealousy in heaven, but the Lord promises he's going to reward us. And so Paul is telling the Philippian church, hey, you've been incredibly generous, but what makes me the happiest is the rewards you're going to receive. Listen to Philippians 4.17 from the Living Bible. He says, but though I appreciate your gifts, what makes me happiest is the well-earned reward you will have because of your kindness. So we have to invest in our eternal home because it brings us joy while we're here on earth and happiness while we're here on earth. Generosity does, but it also brings us joy in heaven. And you know who smiles when we're generous? It's God because, again, it's at the heart of of who God is. He's completely and thoroughly generous. God loves when you and I are generous, when we can get past ourselves for the sake of other people. And I truly believe God watches every day how well we use everything he's given us. And so often the church only talks about just the financial aspect, but think about your abilities and think about your gifts and think about your talents and think about your personality. God expects you not just to use that for yourselves, but to help other people 
as well. So Paul just finishes this whole letter and he basically says, look, God is going to meet our needs. His generosity is going to exceed our generosity. But before we claim that, we ourselves have to be generous because God is our model. The Lord is our model. And through and through, the Lord is generous. And so I want to finish up this series today on Father's Day. And I want to celebrate God's generosity to us in the fact that he sent us and gave us his son so that we could be made right with him. And so what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate communion together. So those of you that are streaming with us, I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, to go ahead and get up now and, and get some juice, some water, some, and some bread, some crackers, so you can celebrate communion with us. And uh, if you did not pick up one of those communion cups on the way in, it's okay. All you have to do is raise your hand and one of our assistant team, uh, assistance team members will give you one of those. If you need a gluten-free wafer, raise your hand as well and just keep it up. And then uh, one of these lovely assistants, look, we, we did the best we could, okay? <laughs> they will bring one to you. And when you, if you're here in, in the building, when you get that communion cup, I'll explain to you how to open it in just a minute. But maybe you grew up and you didn't call it communion, you called it the Lord's Supper. Or my buddy in Roanoke, they call it the Eucharist. It's just a time when we remember not only did God send his son to this earth, but Jesus went to the cross for us. And the bread represents the fact that Jesus' body was broken for our sin and his blood was shed for our sin so that we can be made right with God. See, when we invite Christ into our life and God looks at us, he sees Christ in us and he sees us as clean and perfect and sin-free. And that's what we remember is the sacrifice that Christ made. Just keep those hands up if you need one of those. So what I'd like to do is I'd like us just to pray before we uh, take the Lord's Supper together as a church family. So if you join me, we'll pray. God, today is Father's Day where we celebrate and remember our earthly fathers, but we also remember you, our Heavenly Father, who's the most generous to all of us. Lord, we remember today that you sent your Son for us. And Jesus, today we're going to remember the fact that you sacrificed your life for us on the cross. That you went through the pain and the agony of standing in our place so that we can be made right with you, with your Father. Lord, remember that your body was broken and your blood was shed. And as we're praying, maybe, maybe you're carrying a, a heavy load today. Maybe there's something going on in your family, something going on with your marriage or a relationship. Maybe it's your finances, your work. Maybe there's some bitterness that you just can't seem to get rid of. Why don't you use this opportunity as we're praying just to hand that over to God?
Jesus promises us in Matthew that his burden is easy and his burden is light. And he wants to carry the load with us. So just hand that over to him right now. God, you know what's going on in everybody's life. You know the needs, the desires. Lord, I'd ask you to meet those and take these pressures and worries and stresses off of people. Jesus, today we remember you. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul says this, you can get the the bread. He says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You can take the bread. You can go ahead and open that communion cup or if you're at home, get your water, your juice. Paul continues in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians. He says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. You can take the cup. Amen. Let me pray. God, thank you again for sending your son for us. Jesus, thank you for going through with the plan and going to the cross for us. Your generosity truly does far exceed any generosity that we can ever give. Lord, help us as individuals, help us as a church to continue to be generous. Help us to invest in the things that really matter, in your word, your plan, and in people. Lord, thank you that you give us an opportunity to do what we do. Lord, we pray for not just the churches in our community, but churches all over the world, that they would continue to be generous so that others can see you in us. Lord, thank you for this church, just how special they are. Lord, we thank you for our fathers that poured so much into us, that gave us life. And Lord, for those that maybe don't have a great relationship with their father, show them who you are. 
and that you're our heavenly father and that you love them unconditionally no matter what's happened on this earth that they can't do anything to make you love them any more or any less and we thank you for that love in Jesus name amen as we finish up if uh, you want to fill out a connection card I'd encourage you to do that that helps us to stay in contact with you if you've got a need or a prayer request you can put it on that electronic connection card again you can get that through the church center app or through that QR code on your seat back I hope you have a terrific afternoon a terrific Father's Day next Sunday we're going to kick off a brand new series called Everyday People I hope you'll be able to join us if you're traveling hey tune in online or if you're at home uh, join us at 9 or 10 30 but have a great day thanks for being here and God bless you guys <laughs>